How does a nursing student transition to a career as a doctor, all while juggling a passionate and creative hobby such as cosplay? On this episode of Talking You and Med Student Life, hear how second-year med student Erin balanced her cosplay work with her studies, and how being a cosplayer has brought her joy and opportunity in the medical community here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Welcome to another edition of Talking You and Med Student Life. I have another fantastic guest today. Erin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I'm so glad you're able to come on the pod during this uh, pandemic, as it were. Um, second year med student? Yes. All right. Um, and are, are you safe and well? How, how is it going during the pandemic? Oh, it's going pretty well. I'm about as well as things can be expected, I think. Um, I'm doing great. Still trucking along with online med school right now. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that because I'm curious what that looks like now, uh, Zoom University, as it were. But I want to hear your story. I want to start back in the beginning. All right. So, how old were you when you seriously considered becoming a doctor or going to medical school? What 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 was that decision making process like for you? Yeah, um, I was actually not that young. I was probably like 20 when I made the decision. Um, I was in my third semester of nursing school, the first time I really considered it. Uh, So I started nursing school back in 2011. Um, My mom is a nurse. I had done my CNA in high school. I had this plan that I was going to go to nursing school. I was going to work for a few years. I was going to go on to NP school and I was going to be done with school. Um, And then while I was in nursing school, I started working in the ICU as a critical care tech at a local hospital. And I started working with physicians who were just phenomenal um, and really kind of just showed me the ropes and got me really interested in medicine in particular. I really loved being able to see what they were doing and the physiology that went in behind the decisions they were making. And that was kind of the first time that I really started to consider medicine. Um, So in my last semester of my associate's program, uh, just before I got my RN, I went, met with pre-med advisor and actually kind of switched routes and decided that after my RN, getting the, taking the NCLEX, all of that stuff, I was going to kind of pursue some pre-med classes, do some exploring and kind of decide what I wanted to do. It took me a few years to really like nail down the decision, um, but here I am. And, you know, I, I, I find it fascinating, Aaron, because like you're not the first nor the last person who started down a health science path, which is similar to medicine, but it's not a doctor. Um, did, like, was, was it hard at all? Because I know it was pretty competitive to get into the nursing program. Was it hard to kind of approach the nursing leadership and kind of tell them you had a change in heart or how, how did that go down? Were they pretty understanding or was it a tough, tough discussion? Um, actually, my nursing professors were all really, really great and supportive. And it was really nice to have that kind of backing. Um, at first, when I decided to change, I was going to do my undergrad in um, biochemistry since that kind of met all of the requirements for pre-med. Um, And then I kind of decided towards the end, I did all the prereqs, and then I actually ended up returning to get my bachelor's degree in nursing instead. 
Um, and by the time I had come back to the nursing program, everybody already knew that I was actively applying to medical school, that I was getting ready to take the MCAT, that I was filling out my medical school applications, and they were all very, very supportive of it. Um, I think there definitely is some, I don't know if you call it like rivalry, but definitely some uh, competitiveness between like physicians and nurses. Um, I think there's like a history of kind of that, oh, well, we do patient care. Oh, well, we're the ones who, you know, do the diagnostic process and make the plans. Um, but for the most part, like I was really, it was really well received that I was going to medical school. I got a lot of support. A lot of my professors actually helped me like make sure I had extracurricular stuff, helped me write letters of recommendation even. Uh, so it was really great. That's great. And then what was your <clears throat> strategy to applying to medical schools? Were you going to cast a wide net or were you overly focused on a smaller group of schools? Like what was your strategy going in? Yeah, so at first I had a pretty wide net of schools that I looked into. Um, I had like a whole spreadsheet table. Um, I felt like I was kind of coming into applying to medical school a little bit late to the game. I, since I started pretty much late into my college education planning to go to medical school, I hadn't really done any research into what medical school was really like, what the programs were like, what the differences, for example, between MD and DO were. Um, so I had this entire Excel table of like all these schools that I had looked into and what the pros and cons um, I thought were. And eventually I kind of really started to narrow it down. Um, and then I finally decided on doing the University of Utah's early decision program, uh, which worked out great because I got in. So I fortunately did the one and done for mm -hmm. medical school applications. Yeah. Talk some more about that, because I get, I get asked that question a lot. Should I do EDP? Should I not? And maybe talk a little bit about what EDP is. Like, help, help people understand your, your decision-making with that. Yeah. Uh, so the EDP, the Early Decision Program, it's a program um, through the, I think it's the AMCAS. I can't even remember what it's called anymore. Um, where, AMCAS, you're right. Yep. Okay, AMCAS, um, where you pick one school and you apply to only that school very early on uh, with a commitment that if I get into the school, this is where I'm going. And in the meantime, I'm not gonna apply anywhere else. And the school in return has the commitment to give you an answer uh, by October, which for most schools is also the deadline for the application. So the benefit is if you are like me and you get into the early decision program, it saves a lot of money uh, I only did one secondary application. I only did one interview and I was local, so I didn't have to pay for travel or anything like that. Um, the downside is that if you don't get in, it does mean that you are applying very late cycle to the remainder of the schools that you are on your list. And uh, so it's definitely a trade-off. For me, the more I looked at schools and the more I narrowed things down, the more I decided that I really did want to stay in Utah, if at all possible. Uh, my immediate family is here. Um, I'm not married, I'm single, so I really don't have a support system that would be going out of state with me if I were to attend medical school out of state. So staying in Utah was really ideal. Uh, plus the other thing that really drew me to the University of Utah, A, was just kind of the cultural feel that I got from the University of Utah. I really got that kind of um, diverse, like well-rounded student body feel. I felt that they were really looking at a more holistic review rather than just test scores and really wanted to know who I was as a person, as an applicant, which I really appreciated. 
And then second of all, uh, the EPAC program was a big draw. I came from working at Primary Children's. I knew that I wanted to do pediatrics. And so having a program that was specifically geared for medical students to be able to explore pediatrics in the first two years of medical school and then have the possibility to apply to a cohort dedicated to getting into a pediatric residency at Primary Children's uh, was really a big draw for me. Excellent. And was was is it was it more nerve-wracking to know that essentially you put all your eggs in one basket or were you able just to kind of ride that out and just be at peace with your decision? It was definitely nerve-wracking, um, especially coming from a program where nobody was pre-med to switching over to being pre-med. I didn't know a lot about like the pre-med traditional culture. Uh, but as I kind of switched over, a lot of what I was hearing just from doing internet searches, which is probably not the best way to do your medical school research, uh, but a lot of it was like, oh, you have to apply to at least 20 schools to have a chance of getting in. Oh, you probably won't even get in until your second year. So kind of hearing that, it was definitely, I feel like it was a little bit intimidating to go from... Uh, this kind of like, oh yeah, I'm I'm going to do a totally different program to, oh yeah, I'll do medical school and then deciding to apply to a single program. And obviously it worked, you, you got in. Um, and then, you know, leading up to med school, um, something that I think was very fascinating about your application, Erin, if you want to talk a little bit about it, that you've developed some really unique interests and can you talk a little bit about cosplay? I hope I'm saying that right. Yes, yeah. What, how old were you when you started and, and what, what, what's kind of the genesis of that? And um, Yeah, and just like how that's evolved over time. Yeah, uh, so cosplay, for those who don't know, is a shortened term for costumed play. Um, it's essentially, it started back with like sci-fi conventions back in like, I think like the 60s or 70s. Um, but basically what it is, is it's, generally done like with conventions but has kind of become a network of crafters and makers who essentially make costumes and dress up as fictional characters um so i got into it probably back in like 2013. um i'd kind of heard of it before i was a big nerd growing up i loved comic books i loved reading fantasy novels i loved like superhero movies all that stuff um, so I'd heard a little bit about cosplay, but it really wasn't until Salt Lake City got their own version of a comic convention that I was really exposed to it for the first time. So the first year that they had this comic convention, back in the time it was Salt Lake Comic Con, uh, I went with a friend just for one day, and it was probably like the coolest thing I remember seeing. Um, everybody was just like dressed up in all these costumes, and a lot of people had made these like really intricate costumes out of things like foam or thermoplastics and had sewn all these really cool things. And I just remember having been kind of like an artistic kid growing up, like that was such a cool, unique like outlet. Um, so that's kind of when I started to get into it. So the next year I actually made uh, like pretty much my first costume. I pulled out my mom's like 30 year old sewing machine and googled on youtube how to sew stuff and started making things um so that's pretty much how i got into it so i've been into it for about like seven years now 
and I'm pretty much entirely self-taught off of YouTube and Pinterest tutorials, uh, and I've loved it. What kind of uh, costumes or characters is kind of in your wheelhouse? I mean, what's what are you an expert on, and what, what I mean, what are your favorites? I guess. Yeah, uh, so I started out doing a lot of comic book characters. Um, Raven from the Teen Titans was really my first costume from the old like Saturday morning cartoon show. I've done some Disney characters. Um, and then the latest thing that I've kind of really been into is a series called Critical Role. They're a Dungeons and Dragons podcast that are all professional voice actors. Um, and they play Dungeons and Dragons and live stream it. And because they're all professional voice actors, their storytelling is like really, really intricate. Um, and they've got like a really big fan base, lots of character designs, official art. So I've been doing a lot of like the fantasy costumes from that. And has this passion of yours, how has this intersected with medicine? How has it influenced your approach to medicine? It's definitely given me kind of like a, a more creative approach to thing. I think in cosplay, especially coming from somebody who has no costume making background or training, it's definitely given me that like ability to think outside the box and be able to take a drawing and say, okay, how am I going to make this out of fabric? Because um, most cartoons, the costumes and the outfits kind of defy the laws of physics and just availability. So it's being able to take common everyday items um, and turn them into something that just looks really cool. So I think that creativity approach has been a big part of it. Um, and then also within the last few years, I've been able to start doing charity work as a cosplayer. And that has been a really cool experience. What, what does that look like? So what I do for the most part, not so much now because of COVID, so things look a little different, um, but I started uh, doing charity cosplay with a local group called Heroic. They are a group of just volunteer cosplayers um, that do events for children. So I have been able to do like Make-A-Wish grantings. Um, I have done charity fundraisers. I've done... Um, some work with like the Millie's Princess Foundation, which is a local foundation that raises money for children with cancer. Uh, so they do a like a foundation ball every year where the kids that they work with get to come and dress up and have like the prince and princess makeovers and do activities and interact uh, with all of these princes and princesses and so that's been a really fun experience. And especially as somebody who wanted to go into pediatrics, I had kind of my, my big exposure to pediatrics was working in the hospital and seeing kids um, in the hospital, like in the hospital beds. And so to be able to see those same patients on the flip side where they're out of the hospital, where they're trying to live their normal everyday lives, kind of had that like motivating factor for me anyway of this okay, this is, this is the goal. This is where we want to get them back out into their normal lives and just being a kid again. That's beautiful, Erin. And I, you know, I, I just think about, you know, you mentioned, you know, children in the hospital. I, I can, I have seen, and I have seen um, just the ability for them to interact with um, different people from outside and, you know, be it cosplay or, you know, basketball players or, or, or or like 
member, like, you know, people who dress up. I, I just think it just kind of brings a smile to their face and it kind of gives them hope. Um, because I think sometimes if you're in the hospital for long periods of time, you, you lack hope and you get kind of down. And um, I, I just think it's beautiful that you've created these opportunities for them. Is there, is there a specific uh, child that you can talk about? Not like not names or anything, but like a, an example of kind of combining cosplay <clears throat> with medicine? Yeah. Um, so I have been doing that Millie's Princess Foundation ball for a few years now. And I am usually their Mulan. Um, so the first year that I did the ball, um, most of the princesses have a little activity. And as the kids go around, they can stop at different stations and do these small little activities. So the activity that I had was we made little origami fans. And that way it was easy to do for kids of all ages. And I met um, a young man there who, he was wheelchair bound. Um, he was pretty much paralyzed from the chest down and um, he like with the pretty much the help of his parents, his parents did most of it, just kind of controlling his hands, made this little fan and he was so excited about it. Um, and the next year he actually came back and he had been working with physical therapy to fold origami and he was so excited and so proud to show me that over the course of the last year, He'd been able to get enough mobility back that he'd learned how to like fold all of these different origami shapes with his hands. And um, so that I think was like a really cool experience. Like that was the first time I really went, wow, like this like silly little hobby of mine can actually be used to make a difference in somebody's life. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. Oh, I love it, Aaron. You're doing so, so such good work already. I'm excited for you to become a doctor. All right, let's, let's jump let's jump to med school. Like how was your first year of med school? Um, you know, cause you're coming in nursing background. Um, you know, like what was your experience? Was it, was it everything you thought it was? Was it harder, easier? How would you describe your first year? Yeah, I think it was kind of a mixed bag. Um, things were, so there were some things that were easier than I thought. Some things that were a lot harder than I anticipated um, I definitely think coming from a nursing background, uh, clinical skills was definitely my comfort zone coming in, um, being comfortable from the get-go of like taking patient histories, doing physical exams. That was very much my comfort zone, my wheelhouse. Uh, but on the flip side, coming from a nursing background, other than the prereq classes, I did not have a strong foundational science background. So getting back into the like biochemistry and um, a lot more of the hard sciences was definitely more of an adjustment. Um, I think the biggest difference between nursing school and medical school was that in nursing school, I memorized a lot of facts. Like I memorized drug names, I memorized mechanisms of action, I memorized adverse effects. But with med school, it's really going a level deeper and saying, okay, why is this the mechanism of action? Why does it work? Why does it cause the adverse effects that it does? Uh, so I think going from just memorizing facts to continuously having to ask, okay, why does this work um, was really an adjustment in mindset for me and was kind of a struggle at first to really adjust to. Yeah. And it's, it sounds like, especially like you're able to pivot and, and adapt as the curriculum got going. Cause like I've, 
you know, I've talked to a lot of students over the years and they've all remarked that it's just so much information in a short amount of time. Um, yes. Did you have to like adjust your study skills? Um, Cause you kind of mentioned going from memorization to more of a holistic understanding of how, you know, a medication works, for example, like how, how was that your first year? I mean, what did you have to change as far as studying? Uh, a lot, actually. I admittedly was definitely a crammer in undergrad. Um, I was very good at putting things off until pretty much like the day before the exam and had a good enough memory that I could just like go through a bunch of flashcards over and over again the day before and walk into an exam and pretty much spit it back out. Uh, that doesn't work in medical school because most of the exams are not factual recall. They are testing understanding of concepts. Um, so I pretty much had to do an about face with my study habits and essentially learn how to study from the beginning all over again. And then you're getting your academic rhythm, I assume. Yeah. And tell me about what's it like being a medical student when the pandemic started? Like, what were you feeling? How was it communicated? What was that like? Yeah, that was definitely an interesting transition. Um, I remember we had, because uh, the transition pretty much happened at the beginning of our second block spring semester. So right at the beginning of our host and defense class. So we had just finished MCC. And during that week, we'd had a clinical skills class. And I remember that our course director had joked about you know, maybe someday down the road, we'll be moving to online university. And the very next week, we were moving to online university. Um, so I remember that being a very interesting transition. For a few days, there was definitely a lot of like, maybes, what ifs, we were waiting on, like the governor to make an official message. And we were waiting for the president of the university to make an official decision and things like that. And there was a lot of um, I think there was a lot of like anxiety and tension because I know people were kind of trying to keep it from spreading like mass panic, but there were definitely lots of whispers of like, okay, how do we do lesson plans online? How do we start recording lectures um, and things like that? So I think most of us knew it was coming at least a few days in advance. Um, but that was definitely an interesting transition because by the end of MCC, I felt like I was finally starting to get a feel for how to handle medical school. And then medical school completely changed and went completely online. Um, so that was a very interesting transition going from being in the classroom pretty much five days a week to being on Zoom uh, five days a week instead and really having to take my study skills and be a lot more self-paced and self-motivated to make sure that I was getting all the material. That's excellent, Erin. And, and did it scramble your summer plans? I mean, what did you, what did you do during the summer? Because a lot of students in between their first and second year, they travel or they do research. So how did the pandemic impact your, your summer plans? Yeah, um, so I was originally planning to like maybe just do some leisure travel and hopefully find like a research project because that's kind of like the one extracurricular area that I don't have a lot of experience in. Um, but with everything changing and most of the research projects going to just like chart reviews, things that can be done at home online, 
uh, I actually ended up working through the summer. Instead, I had the opportunity to do um, some work first through Primary Children's and Primary Children's Riverton, um, helping them with some COVID supports, helping them do like health screenings and things like that at the door. And then I actually took for a couple of months an employee health position with a local company, um, or I guess a locally based company that uh, was all like COVID screening. So I would manage all of their employee health records. I do the COVID screening tests um, for all of their employees. So it was definitely not what I'd had in mind for my summer in between uh, the first and second years, but it was good to be able to put my nursing skills back to use again and at least hopefully contribute a little bit during this kind of crazy time for healthcare workers. Then with second year, I guess more of the same just with Zoom. Um, yes. As a, as a learner, uh, as a current medical student, is there any benefit to the Zoom? Or, it, I mean, I, I just see a future where eventually we'll get a vaccine, eventually life will return to normal. But I'm just wondering if there's some aspects of Zoom education that we will keep. So I'm just curious on your perspective. Has there been any benefits to Zoom? Yeah, um, I think there have been. Obviously, it lacks that real like social interaction piece that was having, um, especially our small group classes on campus. But I think one thing that has been really nice is I don't have to commute anymore, uh, which actually saves quite a bit of time, not you know driving and walking around campus. Um, so it gives me uh, some more time during the day. I think that's a really nice benefit. Um, I think the other kind of cool thing with everything going on to Zoom is not so directly medical school and the curriculum, but now a lot of like medical conferences are being held online. So I've actually been able to attend some medical conferences from you know the comfort of my own bedroom that I probably would not have been able to attend otherwise and learn some really cool information and things like that that have kind of helped me pick and choose what I maybe want to do in the future and then kind of open some doors um, with the networking now that pretty much everybody is online. So um, it has its drawbacks, but I definitely think there are some benefits too. Awesome. I'm so glad you're here, Erin. I'm so glad that, um, yeah, I, and you know, just to go back to what you said earlier, like um, your journey to medicine, it's taken like some twists and turns, but I love how you've combined your passion of cosplay with like helping others. And, and, you know, one of the things I've always preached in life is like, you know, life's not a race. We don't know what lies ahead of us in many ways. Um, I'm a psychiatrist by training. So people think I have some sort of crystal ball. It doesn't really work like that. <laughs> um, life's unpredictable and there's ups and downs and hills and valleys. Uh, but I love how you've gotten to this point and you've really assembled a wealth of experiences. Um, and I'm just excited for you to be a doctor soon. Well, I'm excited for you to be a third year, then a fourth year, then a doctor. And then I, 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 I kind of have this image of you continuing to do all your cosplay and being an excellent doctor and just, I don't know, creating some really cool experiences and activities for kids, you know, like, Odds are you can probably be a pediatrician, but uh, just, yeah, for your future patients out there, I think it's going to be very beautiful and wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's definitely been an interesting journey to get me here. 
I mean, if you told me 10 years ago that I would be here in medical school right now, I never would have believed it. Uh, so it's, it's definitely been an interesting road, but I'm really glad to be here, even pandemic included. Um, it's, been a, it's been a wild ride. Cool. All right. Well, Aaron, we'll have to have you come back on the pod and get an update from, from you. And then, uh, yeah, I appreciate all that you're doing and, and hang in there. Stay safe and healthy and take breaks. Good old pandemic. Good old, <laughs> God, take breaks from the Zoom. Um, so that's yes. what I've been preaching to people. So, all right. Well, thanks, Aaron. Awesome. Thank you so much.